0: teach about something from a kingdom perspective today and uh, I want to read Genesis chapter 37 beginning at verse 5 if you ready say I'm ready. I'm ready Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him all the more I want to talk from this subject in this final sermon in the detour series Dreams and nightmares. Dreams and nightmares. As we prepare to plow through the soil of this scripture, I want to use this introduction as an opportunity to make an announcement. And the announcement is simple. I'm looking for somebody today. I'm looking for those that are allergic to average. I'm looking for those that are sick of settling. I'm looking for those that are mad when they are mediocre. I'm looking for dreamers. Where are my dreamers? Let me clarify what I'm communicating when I say dreamer. When I say dreamer, I don't mean dream havers. When I say dreamers, I'm talking about dream chasers. Because it's one thing to have one. It's another thing to chase one. A dream chaser is a person that possesses a picture of the future that affects the way they live in their present. Y'all missed it. I said a dream chaser is a person who possesses a picture of their future that affects the way they live in their present. This is why dream chasers are often misunderstood and the catalyst for confusion in others. Because some people looking at your present don't understand why you're behaving in your present the way that you, the way that you are, because they can only see your present. They don't understand. Why are you building an ark when there are no clouds in the sky? (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? I I said they 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 don't understand why you're building an ark when there are no clouds in the sky. But dream chasers possess a picture of the future that affects the way they behave in their present. They don't just live by what they see in their head. They live by what they see in their heart. It's a person who is managing their today based on what they see in their tomorrow. It's a person that is able to survive the pit only because they see the palace. I'm looking for dreamers. If that's you, say right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. here, here. Now, 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 here's the reason I'm looking for dreamers i'm looking for dreamers because there's something i need to tell you (laughs) i was reading this story in genesis about one of the most dynamic dreamers in scripture a gentleman named joseph and i saw a truth in his story that i feel like we need to talk about and here it is i believe joseph wants me to tell you that the same dream that is your source of excitement Is going to be the same dream that's going to be the reason for your anxiety. Did you hear what I just said? I said, Joseph wants me to tell you that the same dream that you shout about will be the same dream that you're stressing over. Did you hear what I just said? Dreams are not, ladies and gentlemen, simply sources of excitement. Dreams can be the catalyst for anxiety. And sometimes, catch this, when I say anxiety, I am not saying that the anxiety is a result of the dream itself. I am saying that sometimes the anxiety is a result of the assumptions we make about the dream. Uh, assumptions we make about when it's going to happen assumptions about where is going to happen assumptions about how it's going to happen watch this assumptions about who is going to happen with assumptions and the enemy operates in the arena of assumptions Paul calls them vain imaginations all a vain imagination is is an assumption we're making it is something I'm imagining that's being influenced by someone other than my eternal God And so the enemy wants to use our imagination to create expectations about when, where, and how God is going to do a thing. So that we end up attaching, watch this, we attach our assumption to God's promise and treat the assumption like it's part of the promise. So when the assumption we make is inaccurate, We assume that the promise didn't come in the past. And God's like, my promise wasn't wrong. Your assumptions are. You assumed it was going to happen this way. You assumed it was going to happen with them. You assumed it was going to happen by now. And God's sitting and staring and saying, only thing I told you is it was going to happen. I didn't say it was gonna happen then I didn't say it was gonna happen with them I didn't say uh, who it was gonna happen with I just said it's gonna happen and I need somebody that's at a point in your life spiritually and emotionally where you can say with honesty that's enough yeah, yeah, all I need to know is is you're still going to do it. With tears in my eyes, I just need to know, are you still going to do it? Yeah, with the frustration I'm facing, I just need to know, are you still going to do it? So we end up with real disappointment because of wrong assumptions. We're attaching assumptions to the promise when the promise itself is a promise that should stand alone so God's like dream chasers must be persons that are capable of arresting their own assumptions because the source of a lot of our anxiety it's not the promise itself. It's the assumptions we have made about the promise. And we make those assumptions. Are y'all ready for this? Are you sure? I said, are you ready? We make those assumptions. Watch this. Because we are uncomfortable with God's methodology. And when he is Communicating his preferred future for our life because he only he, in, in watch this in God's methodology he only communicates what's necessary for us to know right. did you hear what I just said yes. our preference is that God would give me more information right, no to my than he gives me but in god's methodology he says no i'm gonna give you information on a need to know basis and even when i withhold information i'm withholding information because my withholding of it is in your best interests and for your benefit He says, I know you don't need to know everything you want to know because there are some things you want to know now that you aren't ready to properly comprehend now. So I got to process you a little bit before I can have certain conversations with you. God only has certain types of conversations when we get to a certain place in our maturation. Is that the book? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said to believers in Corinth? He said, I would feed you with meat. But we can't have those types of conversations yet. Because those types of conversations require a certain type of maturity. I'm not going to bother this, but I am just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Because I want to let somebody know some of your communication problems aren't communication problems. They're growth, they growth problems. You are trying to have conversations that can only be comprehended by somebody who is further down the line in their development. Did you hear what I just said? I said, when you grow different, God talk different. I said, when you grow different, God talks different. You're saying, God, I need you to talk to me differently. He's like, I need you to grow to the place where you can handle the kind of conversations that you want me to have with you. So there are things I in the, I'm preaching the text already, but there, there, there are things that God reveals in dreams that we assume is the entirety of the dream. So then when we encounter seasons and circumstances that we didn't see in the dream, we make the assumption it's not part of it. Did you hear what I just said? So when we hit those seasons and circumstances in the dream, then that season or circumstance actually feels like a nightmare. See y'all y'all miss what I just said. Did you hear what I just said? I said those seasons actually feel like nightmares, but the capacity to dream means there's a potential for nightmares. Did you hear what I just said? The fact that you can dream means that nightmares are inevitable. Because the only way you can avoid nightmares is if God removes the ability to dream. Did you hear what I just said? So there there are seasons in the dream that feel like nightmares, but they aren't actually nightmares because nightmares aren't real. I say they feel like nightmares, but nightmares aren't real. And the issue is nightmares don't end themselves. They only end when you wake up. They end when you get to a state of consciousness where you recognize this wasn't real. But when you're in the nightmare, you feel it and you sense it and you're dealing with it. And I came to tell somebody. This is your season to wake up. (laughs) This is your season to wake up. And when you wake up, you will see that that thing wasn't destroying me. It was developing me. You will see that that wasn't a burden. That was a blessing. You will see that that wasn't a breakup. That was a breakthrough. Whenever you wake up, nightmares end. Weeping mate. Endure for a night, but joy comes when you wake up. Why don't I have any joy? You're not woke. You're not. You're not as conscious as you should be. Dreams have seasons that feel like nightmares, and it's those seasons and circumstances that make you question if you saw correctly. Y'all didn't hear what I said. I said you don't have a, I'm a and I'm getting ready to go here, but you don't have a dream from God if you never questioned it. See, there it is. y'all miss what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, if, if you hadn't gone through a season where you question, did I hear correctly? Did I see this accurately? Because there are always components, circumstances, and seasons of the dream that you don't see. And you cannot see them on the front end. Excuse me, God will not reveal them on the front end. Because watch this. There is no revelation you can receive without experience that makes the inconvenience worth it. I'm going to say that again. God says, I can't show you this inconvenience on the front end. Because there's nothing I can tell you cognitively that's going to make you believe it's worth it. The only way you're going to know this is worth it is if you live through it and get to the other side. And then you look back at that nightmare season and say it's worth it. And God is saying to the dreamers, are y'all ready for this? He's saying, I'm trusting you to trust me. I'm trusting you to trust me in seasons that feel like nightmares. So dream chasers are people that not only manage dreams. Dream chasers are also people that know how to manage nightmares. They're not real, but they feel real. I got to manage them both. And I think a large component of our teaching has been to help people manage dreams. But we are ill-equipped to manage nightmares because we don't assume we're going to have them. We assume it's going to be easier than it's going to be. We assume it's going to be sooner than it's going to be. So Joseph is a biblical character that can teach us how to manage both. We can look at his life and see lessons on how to manage dream seasons and seasons that feel like nightmares because he had them both. Did you hear what I just said? I'm getting ready to go here. He had a dream that he didn't create. And nightmares he ain't caused. I said dreams he didn't create and then nightmares he didn't even cause. It's it's, it's in the text. Joseph was introduced to him in Genesis as a son of Jacob. He's Jacob's Favorite son, literally. Now this speaks to a couple of things, metaphorically and literally. Literally, it speaks to a problematic parenting problem that we see beginning, watch this, with Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. We, we, we see a parenting pattern that's problematic. We see blatant favoritism. Isaac over Ishmael. Blatant. Come on. Then when Isaac has children, what does he do? He follows that same pattern. And he blatantly favors Esau. So blatant So, I'm not talking about feeling more affinity toward one. I'm not, I'm not talking about sharing more mutual interests with one child than another. I, I'm not talking about your personality meshing more easily with one child than another. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what they did. That is expected. That is normal. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say favoritism, it is blatant and obvious. That I prefer one child over the other. Wow. That's different than I get along with one better than the other. See, are y'all all right? In ch- See, that's this kingdom, that ain't church right there, right? Because in church, it's just like, you, you just get along with all of them. Like, no. You can mesh in different ways. Connect in different ways, right? Okay, here's the point that I'm making. There's blatant favoritism with Abraham. Blatant favoritism with Isaac Jacob Watch this now emulates the activity of his father even though he wasn't the favored one His daddy liked Esau better Don't miss this guys So this shows us something this is kingdom now strong morals don't mean life mastery all these men were moral men but there were still areas of their life they needed development in i said this was going to be kingdom didn't i and i'm trying to get some of us to see yes you need to pray but you need to get off your knees and do more than that yes we need to live right but i can live right y'all y'all here I can live right and still not be able to pay my bills I can live right and still not be able to get my medicine when my when I'm sick I can y'all let me go to this I, I said I said I can be moral and still be stressed and strained and struggling because morality doesn't mean life mastery should we be moral yes should we live a life according to biblical and Christian ethics yes but Peter says add to your faith I know you got faith but Peter says what do we need to add to that so this favorite son receives a gift from the father nobody else gets it's a coat of many colors so literally there's a problematic parenting problem. Metaphorically, it's showing us what happens when the favor on your life from your heavenly father becomes visible. He was the favored son. When Joseph gave him that coat, they hated him. Excuse me, when Jacob gave him that coat, they hated him. some people are not triggered and stirred as long as your favor isn't seen. They, they, They don't mind you naming and claiming and affirming and confessing. What happens is when it happens, they become triggered. So they already hate Joseph. And then the text tells us and Joseph dreams a dream we just read it <laughs> he, he 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 dreams a dream he tells it to his brothers and they hate him the Bible says all the more you can't have favor and a dream <laughs> did you hear what I just said see See, I'm going to say that one more time. I said, <laughs> yeah, they like did this too much. You got favor and a dream. You got favor and vision. You got favor and insight and foresight. Why do you hate my dreams? Because here's the dream, if you're not familiar. He has this dream, right, of like, this is like the Daniels version. So he's, so he's got this dream. Let's say there are these plants. And let's say it's 11 plants. And he's got this, he had this dream where there are like 11 plants. And then like 11 of the plants bowed down to one of the plants. And he was the one that the 11 bowed down to. The 11 were his other brothers. Right? Okay. So, so he tells them that dream. And they say. I memorize this in King James. So, you know, they may say it different. They say, shall you indeed reign over us? That's what they said. Oh, so so you're going to reign over us. I'm going to tell you something. If you if you're ready to be helped, say, help me, Jesus. Help me. Here it is. His brothers did not have a problem with his dream. They had a problem with their place in it. if he would have been bowing down to them then they would have said that dream is from God but because the dream created some elevation and some separation they were upset by that responded to that with more hate am I making sense here (laughs) he dreams this dream but I'm more impressed with the way he managed it. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more impressed with, with the way that, that he managed it. And I, I see some assets that he had in his arsenal that we should include in ours if we're serious about managing ours properly also. See, this is one of the first things I see with Joseph's. Here it is. Number one, I see clarity. Somebody say clarity, right? So, so we, we, we see here that Joseph's dream is, is, is a, is a godly dream and it is not confused with personal passion. Got me? Now we all have both. Anybody that wants something has both. Are y'all okay? This kingdom teaching now. All right. I don't know how much we would get done for the world or the kingdom without some degree of divinely implanted ambition. So ambition is amoral. There is no it is not immoral It's not inherently moral it's amoral it's what you need. To, it's what you if you don't have that I don't know how as a man you can take care of a family or as a woman you can take, God gives you that. So he gives it to us and we get to choose who we allow to have the most influence over it. He gives it to us and we get to determine what we use it for. So Joseph here has this dream family and it's clear so interesting. <laughs> I want to get ahead of myself. But it's clear that even though it's, it's a God dream it does stir up some personal ambition because you're not confused when it comes to who hates you, Joseph. You're not that naive. So the fact that you keep going to your brothers and having this conversation Isn't just an indication that you're just so excited about what God showed you that you just wanted to share it with them. Y'all, okay, y'all missing this. I'm trying to get you to see why the nightmare is necessary for him. Because there are some things we're seeing about him that if you that 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 if you just skip over it in the text, he, he, the nightmare seasons he goes through won't make sense. But there, there are some things, there are some things. Are y'all here? There are some ungodly things. That only a godly dream exposes. (laughs) So there's some stuff in him. That we don't see come out of him. Until God give him a dream. And God. Doesn't engage in any communication when it happens. But I think he makes a divine notation. And he says okay I got to. I got to deal with that because you're at the place where you can see the dream but you're not the kind of person that can bring it to pass yet. (laughs) The, 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 The kind of person I need you to be to do what's necessary in another season of your life is not the person you are yet. And it's not that you're a bad person. It's it's not that you're a bad person. As a matter of fact, when you read the story, he was a better child than his brothers. He used to go back and tell on his brothers, which means he wasn't doing what they were doing. So he's probably thinking they need more character development than me. And God's like, no, they don't because they're not called to what you called to. Your calling puts a demand on your character. And so you're comparing your character to people that are not called to carry the weight of what you're called to carry. I'm demanding more of you. Because their assignment doesn't require them to be who you got to be. I don't know who this is for, but I want to tell somebody it is time for you to stop re- comparing God's dealings with you with God's dealings with someone else. And God's like, I'm my dealings with you are customized. So they get away with what you can't. Y'all missed it. Let me find where my... Oh, I'm trying to find my honest saints that will say, I tried to run out there and do what I saw them doing. And I went out there and God wouldn't let me stay. God blew it up. God exposed because God says there's something I require you that I don't require them. You like, Lord, it happened with me one time. He said, That's right. He said, I'm not letting you get away with that. He says, I want you to see that as as a compliment. He said, I want you to see what I won't let you get away with as a compliment. I want you to see when your soul is vexed and you are convicted. He said, I want you to see that as a compliment. It's because I won't let you go to the lengths that I'll let them go to. Because what I got for you and what you are called to requires different kind of character y'all come on y'all see that so he has one dream he goes and tells his brothers he has another dream I got all these points holy ghost take me another way uh, but uh, he got all these he, he, he has this dream he goes to his brothers he tells it watch this then he has another dream he go right back to his brothers and he tell it again Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's like, oh, okay. You still got, you got a little something. And come on, if we honest, we all, this kingdom now, this level, if we honest, we all got a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's, It's some people you want to know. You want them to know. See, okay, let me guess. It's always like, yeah, you know, praise God. Praise God if, 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 you know, a majority of people know, but there's a minority in the majority. And that minority feel like the majority. I, I want them to know. Y'all hating me because of my code. I, I, I want you to know. Dismissing me. I, I want you to know. It's a little bit of that injustice but so he's not a bad man and I want y'all to see this because some of y'all in sees you like God why do you keep like like how much more humility you need I need like what are you are y'all hearing what I'm saying and I believe I believe this word has prophetic implications because remember biblical prophetic ministry does not just give you insight into the future it interprets the present it gives clarity to current seasons And for some of you, you are wondering like, Lord, how much more humility and breaking do I need? And God's like, it's not because you're bad. It's because your calling is so great. That it requires a certain kind of person, not, y'all missed it. I'm going to show you this, but I'm going to hit on myself. See. It, when Joseph became second in command in Egypt, guys, that happened because of his gift. Right? His ability to have that foresight, right? To see the years of famine that were coming and to see the years of plenty. That's prophetic gifting. Then he uses business acumen and says to Pharaoh, during the seven years of plenty, everybody's going to spend. Let's stack. Then during the seven years of famine, no one's going to have anything. So they're going to have to come to us to get food. And we won't give it to them. We will sell it to them. And the Bible says when they ran out of currency, they had to bring cattle. And Egypt got that. And when they ran out of cattle, they had to bring land. They had to deed their land over. And this is why the Bible says and Egypt prospered during the famine. Are y'all here? So you see the prophetic gifting and then you see, bit. I'm not even going to talk about how those two, okay, but you see prophetic gifting and, and, and business acumen, but I want you to see that it's not the gift that his brothers needed because his brothers were among those that were in the land that was affected by famine. They were among those that had to give over their land and they had nothing left to give. And they're standing in line trying to get some food. And it just so happens that they're standing in line on the day that Joseph is at work. Do y'all see this? Sorry, y'all just got to quit. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is, guys. So what he does for them, meaning feeding them, taking care of them, moving all of them from where they were to Egypt. That's not gift. His gift put him in position to execute an assignment that could only be executed by character. I'm done. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. All the gift did was put him in a position to use to use influence because his brothers did not need a word they needed food yeah. so you literally have to look at people because remember when joseph told them that dream they said we killing them literally and they take him out to the field to kill him and then one of the brothers said no don't kill him there's a pit let's throw him in the pit i'm not even going to bother that and we're going to circle back around and get him out of the pit that that you know that it was judah right and judah means praise because praise is the thing that got some of y'all out of the pit right so he's 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 in there he, he said we're gonna circle back around and then somebody sees ishmaelites coming and they say no 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 no, let's sell them to the ishmaelites and so they sold them to the ishmaelites and then that's you know that's that's a blessing too right that's a blessed ishmaelites ishmael Ishmaelites, ishmael son of abraham but the illegitimate son of abraham that's Abraham's mistake So Abraham, don't make that mistake. Ishmael don't exist. If Ishmael doesn't exist, there are no Ishmaelites. If there are no Ishmaelites, there's nobody coming through at the time that Joseph is in the pit. Because God takes the mistakes of your past and uses them as transportation to your future. They sell them to the Ishmaelites. He goes, goes to a slave market. He gets sold to someone that works for Egypt named Potiphar. He serves Potiphar's vision. Potiphar puts him in charge. Elevation attracts everything. You're like, God elevate me. He's like, you're not, you're not, you're not ready. I can do the job. Yeah, he said, but you can't handle what's going to be attracted to you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. So oh because so um. he starts working for Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. Yeah. She started giving him them different kind of greetings. How you doing today? <laughs> you doing, Just so nice. Come give me a hug. Think about this. He's in a pit. Man, That feels like a nightmare. He get out. He like, OK, thank you, Jesus. Working for Potiphar. He's like, God, this is it. Then all of a sudden, watch this. Potiphar's wife comes. He resists. He does the right thing. She lied. I'm not. Gonna, she lies. Right. He does the right thing. He literally runs. Like she approaches, she catches him one moment alone and she literally tries to force herself on him. Jacob runs. The Bible says she grabbed his coat. I'm not going to bother that because he lost the one his daddy gave. him. But the fact that she, the the writer tells us that the writer is clear in communicating. She grabbed his coat because God know how to give you another one. I don't know who this is for, but I want to tell somebody that lost some stuff in one season. You serve a God that knows how to give you another one. He lost the coat his daddy gave him, but he got one that Potiphar gave him. I want to talk to some people that have lost some things in your life. God, give me another one. Give me another chance. Give me another door. Give me another opportunity. Give me another season that I can steward properly. Give me another one. He grabbed a coat. She grabbed a coat. So she didn't grab him. She grabbed what was on him. (laughs) And he got free. Because he was willing to take what was on him off him. And some people stay bound. Because you keep wearing something. That the enemy can get a grip off of. If you take that off. The enemy loses his grip. So she lies and says Joseph comes at her and Potiphar puts him in prison. I'm not going to bother that too much, but there is something I think that needs to be explored in this narrative, and it's this, guys. So you mean a man you bought as a slave and you elevate? To prominence and second in command in your administration come at your wife and you're an Egyptian so you're not even a follower of Yahweh you probably are polytheistic poly meaning many gods sun god moon god so your moral code is probably not consistent with those that follow Yahweh so a slave you bought come at your wife and all you do is put them in prison it makes me wonder, Potiphar, did you believe her or were you trying to appease her? How many people hurt you trying to appease others? Oh my so Joseph's got to feel confused because he's like, now, once I got out of the pit, God, I thought. I thought I thought I was good. Why do I feel like you teasing me? Why do I feel like you've got me on this roller coaster? So he in prison. Upset. It's a nightmare. But I want you to see how he manages this nightmare season. Because you manage nightmare seasons by managing you. You can't manage the season. The only thing you can manage is you in it. So he's in the pit and people that are in the, he's in the pit, get out of the pit. He's in the prison. So a butler and a baker are in the prison with him. They have dreams. Joseph interprets their dreams in prison. Now, when you're having a nightmare season, do you still work your gift? Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, will you work your gift when you're mad? Will you work your gift when you're frustrated? Will you work your gift when you're confused? Will you work your gift when you're hurt and disappointed? Because some of us start pouting when we have pain and we don't perform our purpose. Did you hear what I just said? How many of us would have been working our gift sitting in a prison? We would have been pouting. We would have been upset. Yeah. Yeah. Helping people that can't help him. Because yeah. some of us only want to use our gift for Pharaoh. Yeah, 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 I just I want to use it on Pharaoh. But he used this gift in the middle of a nightmare season on people that could do absolutely nothing for him. Not realizing that sometimes God connects you with people, not for where they are, but for where they're going. (sighs) Because one of those men got out of prison and one of those men started working for Pharaoh. And a Pharaoh eventually had a dream and he remembered that was a man in prison. That interpreted my dream, he can interpret yours. But remember, guys, there's nothing in the first part of Joseph's story that tells us he interpreted any dream. Text just says he dreamed them. But in prison, he's interpreting them. Because God uses those nightmare seasons to perfect a gift. Because in one season, all you could do is drink. But this next season is going to require that you add to that. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? I said in one season dreaming got you by, but in another season, God says you got to add to that now. And I need to develop that gift. I need to expand because you got to go from now being able to dream. Now you got to come on here. You got to be able to interpret. You got to go from being able to manage to being able to lead. You got to go from one level to the next level. Because this next season doesn't require you dreaming yours, Joseph. It requires you interpreting others. How good are you at that? God's like, I'm not just trying to grow you. I'm trying to grow your gift. Because we're not in chapter 37 anymore. So what worked in chapter 37... Doesn't work in other seasons. I need you to be able to do more than dream. I'm done. It, it's uh, it's it's almost, but it's uh, it's 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 something. I talked about this in a teaching I did not too long ago and I talked about the difference. I'm really done almost, but I talked about the difference between skills and and gifts. Right? And how God will require you to develop a skill to actually deliver your gift. Like, your gift needs support. Does that make sense? So if God's given me a gift to teach, that's a gift. And anointing is for that, right? But I need to, I had to and continue to have to develop the skill of a leading so I can deliver the gift. Did you hear what I said? So the teaching gift that God's given me the ability to teach the Bible if I did not support that gift with the development of other skills, I could only be used in chapter 37. I limit how God can use me. Because all you can do is speak. But you can't train others. So I can, on, I can only use you there. Because you having the gift to do it and then you having the skill to step outside of what you do organically and then analyze it and document it and then teach it to others is something different. And some of you, I want you to see this. Joseph is in that prison and you see the development of his gift. It's like, man, you're not. You're not just doing, watch this, a better version of what you did in chapter 37. You're doing something different. I want you to catch this. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh hires him. He finds a wife. He gets married. He gives birth to them. He calls them Ephraim and Manasseh. And he said, Manasseh, I'm calling you Manasseh because you mean forgetting my pain. He says, "He said because I went through all of this, but I just gave birth to something that was so wonderful that it made me forget all the pain of my father's house. He says, this gonna, this, it's going to be so beautiful. See, God's going to cause you to give birth to something that's so beautiful, that's so amazing, that the pain of these previous seasons are just going to be a blip on your radar. I was talking to a friend of mine one time, and we were talking about some things, and I asked him about something he had went through. And he said to me, He said, D, man, I don't know. He said, I'll never forget this. <laughs> I remember where we were and everything. He said to me, man, God's been so good, D. This is what I can tell you. He said, I remember that it hurt. I just can't remember what it felt like. He said, what God has done in this season, it's been so amazing. I remember that it hurt, but I can't even remember what it felt like. Woo, I just speak that over somebody that's watching this. May God get you to a Manasseh season, but you don't give birth to Manasseh without managing yourself properly in nightmares. Interprets Pharaoh's dream, works for Pharaoh. Brothers come to him. And he said, listen, I'm not mad at you at all. Don't even apologize. He said, God used you to send me here. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's a different man talking there. And you only become that man, that woman. If you know how to manage you properly in nightmare seasons. The dream God's given you requires you, become a, you becoming a, a person that you aren't yet. And he assists in that process. By putting you through nightmare seasons. I grew up Baptist. I got points. These seasons, number one, they protect you. Nightmare season protect me? Yep. Because Joseph's brothers would have eventually killed him. They weren't going to stop at that one time. They would have killed him. And the thing sometimes you think is killing you is saving your life. To protect, to use it to perfect. Joseph was matured in a way that made him be the kind of man that could be in position to harm but choose to help. He could have killed them. He could have let them starve. But God used that season to perfect them. Number three, prepare. Man, I want y'all to read this story. It says when Pharaoh called Joseph, he shaved and changed his clothes. He shaved and he changed his clothes. (laughs) He engaged in some activity that suggested some things are getting ready to change for me. It's time to shave and change your clothes. It's time to act like God's getting ready to do something significant. If you believe he's getting ready to do something, it's time for you to get ready for it. And I'm done. He used that nightmare to promote him. Joseph would have never been in the palace if he wasn't in the pit or the prison. I'm done. I think as leaders, we need to talk to y'all more about nightmares. Because I promise you, I have them. (laughs) People just see the fulfillment of the dream. And they don't know the nightmares you have to live through. But God wants you to know I'm the God of dreams and I'm God in the nightmare. I'm done. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me even right before I came out here and I added this to the end of my notes. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Darius, I want you to pray a prayer because I need to pry. And I wrote it down on my notes. Holy Spirit said, Darius, I need to pry their hands off their plans. He says, because some of them are having trouble taking it off. I'm going to pull it off today. So I'm getting ready to pray for you right now. That God would pry your hands off your plans. That he would eradicate your attachment to your assumptions. That he would get you to the point that I'm going to do it is enough. That's enough. Father, I thank you for this this word. That you spoke to me about what you're getting ready to do in this moment. Right now. You told me you're going to do some prying. You're the liberator. You are the deliverer. You are a mighty God and I pray right now mighty God that you would pry our hands off of our plans I pray that you would eradicate our assumptions I pray that you would get our heart to the point and to the place where we say God the promise is enough we release our assumptions and we surrender them over to you we as your word says acknowledge you in all of our ways we we thank you that many are the plans of a man's heart but it is the lord's counsel that will stand and today we submit and we surrender we give it all over to you again we say take everything take everything take everything take every dream take every desire take every plan take Everything I don't want it, I don't need it, I just want you. I don't want it, I don't need it, I just want you. I don't want it, I don't need it, I just want you. And Father, I thank you now for an anointing that's being released on your people an anointing to release, an anointing to let go, an anointing to give it over, anointing to surrender one more time, an anointing to give you a yes. And I thank you, I thank you now that you never take something from us and give us something inferior in exchange so we declare that we're stepping into a season of exceedingly and abundantly and above all we ask or think it will be so and it will not be another way in jesus name amen somebody worship in here